This is an Area Code podcast. Welcome to Wildwood Flower, stories of women who built country music. I'm your host, Jack Peterson, a lifelong music fan and country music outsider, trying to embrace a genre I've always held at a distance. As venues open back up and artists are able to tour more widely, I've been able to see live music again. It's been great. Great for the whole family, really. My daughter, age 12, scours the touring schedules of her favorite artists, and while we're not going to drive three hours to see Conan Gray, I did accompany my daughter and one of her friends to see Chloe Moriando at a local Durham theater. It was a lot of fun, and my daughter and her friend were bouncing with excitement most of the night, and exhausted and sweaty from dancing and singing along for the entirety of Chloe's set. I was mostly standing in the back of the venue with what I guess were the other parents. I always love live music, really no matter who it is, and I was game for whatever, but not expecting to be won over by any of the acts. However, opening for Chloe was a group called Kid Sister, who I thought was great. Describe them for you. You should go check them out yourselves. Kid's sister, sister spelled without an E. As I was enjoying their set, I thought the whole time that they were sisters. I don't know why I thought this. I guess because of the name, but I looked them up just before recording this, and there is no blood relation between any of them. They don't even look that much alike, but I guess I got it in my head that they were, and so I just ran with it. They seemed to be having a lot of fun, and I thought, how nice that these sisters have this great bond and can enjoy each other in this way. I wondered about their backstory and how they came to play together, how they write, how their birth order and personalities play into band dynamics. Again, they are not sisters, but my thoughts, I hope, weren't entirely a waste, because I did think about the Overstake sisters during these musings as well. And I started to think about the history of sister trios in American music. Turns out it's not a very long list, maybe 13 or 14, that would have some broad name recognition. We're going to have a kind of heavy episode talking about Eva Overstake, so let's just play a little game here. How many of these sister trios can you name? We're six jerks in a jeep. Six creeps in a jeep that leaps. Now here we come, beep beep. We're six jerks in a jeep.
First, we had the Andrews sisters. Then we had a personal favorite of mine, the Roaches. Then we had Kurt Cobain's personal favorite, the Shags. Then we had Jesse Spano, Lisa Turtle, and Kelly Kapowski's personal favorite, the Pointer sisters. Followed by She Daisy, the Staves, and of course, Haim. There, of course, are groups that I didn't play, one being the DeCastro sisters, who fled from Cuba during the Castro regime and found some success as singers in the U.S. We should also mention the Dinning sisters, who were also National Barn Dance members, but not until the 1940s, so I've opted to include them in season four of Wildwood Flower, so stay tuned for that. All right, that was a fun game. Thanks for playing along. We needed a little bit of levity here at the top of the show because things are going to get dark. This week we're ending our trilogy on the Overstake sisters, who as a group found success at a younger age than many of the female trios here, and who suffered the cost of show business success in their own unique way. We'll concentrate this week on the bright, tragic career of the youngest member of the Three Little Maids, Eva Overstake. I've mentioned Eva Overstake's suicide in the previous two episodes, and I'll mention it here at the top of this one because I don't want her death to be the climax of this story. Because, of course, it's not the climax of her life. It's the lowest point of her life. And I think we can perhaps celebrate and honor her short career with greater clarity if we talk about her death first. 
You know that in 1933, Eva, at age 16, married 23-year-old Red Foley, another barn dance personality who would become a country music legend. So from 1933, let's jump ahead to 1951. We have an updated cast of characters. Eva and Red have three daughters, Shirley Lee, Jenny Lou, and Jenny Ann. Eva also has a stepdaughter from Red's first marriage, Betty. The family is living in Nashville. Red's career is skyrocketing. And in 1951, we also have this person in the picture. What would I be without you, baby? What would you be without me? How would it seem without someone to dream about? Someone to stay up and see? That is Sally Sweet, and Red Foley is having an affair with her. Eva finds out about the affair and takes a bunch of sleeping pills and dies. Eleven months later, Red would marry Sally Sweet. These are the basic facts of the story, and as with any story, there are nuances, some of which we can begin to understand and some of which are lost to history. Let's go back to the beginning and see what we can pick up. Eva was born in 1917, the third of six overstake children, nearly four years younger than eldest sister Evelyn and about two and a half years younger than Lucille. The girls grew up singing at Salvation Army meetings and was managed by their strict, demanding father, Herschel, who brought them to audition at WLS, where they were named the Three Little Maids and put on the National Barn Dance, singing mostly sentimental ballads, but then transitioned into Western-themed music following the trends of the time. We don't have much information on Eva as a child. We know that the eldest daughter, Evelyn, was the default caretaker of the children, with their mother needing to hold down a full-time job since their father was chronically ill. We also know that Evelyn and Lucille started as a duo, incorporating Eva into the group at age 13. The sister trio, the three little maids, divided their talents thusly. Evelyn was the deep-voiced contralto, Lucille sang the high parts and accompanied with her guitar, and Eva provided the yodeling. became favorites at the barn dance, often being described as sweet, and they were sometimes highlighted in WLS publications. We've heard about Evelyn and how much she was praised for her domesticity. We have a little taste of that here with Eva. Here's what the 1932 WLS family album had to say about Eva in a piece about favorite pastimes of barn dance stars. Some of our people gave us a few surprises with their favorite pastimes. For instance, who would think that a modern little miss of 16, as Eva Overstake surely is, would find pleasure in sitting quietly at home with her embroidery work? In 1933, the World's Fair came to Chicago, and many of the barn dance stars performed. The three little maids reportedly drew a crowd of 10,000. 
To put that in context, I looked for 10,000 seat venues in the US and found that the American Bank Center in Corpus Christi, Texas has that capacity. So who might draw a 10,000 person crowd in Corpus Christi? Well, pre-pandemic and since 2016, Dolly Parton, Lil Wayne, and Elton John have all played here. Of course, the number of people seeing the Three Little Maids at an open event like the Chicago World's Fair, which attracted over 40 million visitors, can't really be compared to a ticketed arena show in the 2010s in terms of popularity or name recognition, but still, attracting a 10,000-person crowd is no small matter. In 1933, WLS produced a special publication called WLS at the Fair. You might remember from our Lulu Bell episode that this is how the WLS listeners were introduced to the hot dog, through Lulu Bell's instructions of the best method of eating it. Here's what WLS at the fair had to say about the Overstake sisters. We didn't get a chance to ask the three little maids what they liked most about the World's Fair, but as we look at smiling Eva at the left and remember how well she likes to eat, will say that probably she enjoyed the foods building most of all. At the other end of the line, Lucille, with the guitar, has always been quite a good deal interested in aviation, so she probably would have liked the best airplanes or the flying blimps. I don't know if I trust this description of the Overstake sisters, but if we do, here's what we know so far. Eva, age 16, yodeler, likes crocheting, and is speculated to like food. 1933 is not only the year of the World's Fair, but it's also the year that Red Foley's first wife, Pauline, dies in childbirth. The child, Betty, survives. Six months later, Red Foley marries Eva Overstake. They keep the marriage a secret from fans, but Eva's pregnancy later that year necessitates her slowing her performing and touring schedule. And only then is the marriage announced. How was it announced? Why, it's a fairy tale romance, of course. Here is the 1934 family album with a piece called The Old Old Story, accompanied by a picture of two hearts, one with Eva and one with Red, shot through with a Cupid's arrow. Once upon a time, a blue-eyed girl came to sing at WLS. Her name was Eva Overstake, and sometimes they called her Little Eva. When she sang with her two sisters, she always took the yodel parts, and she always had a happy smile when she sang the high notes. One day there came from the Kentucky hills a tall, red-headed, soft-spoken southerner. His name was Clyde Julian Foley, but because of his red hair they called him Red. He played the guitar and was at his best singing about moonlight and roses. So it came to pass, but why waste words? Eva Overstake and Red were married early last summer. It was a surprise to all of us, as it will be to you. We take this opportunity to offer felicitations and best wishes, and we know we speak also for you. Twice more, WLS Publications announced the marriage, explaining Eva's respite from music in this way. All was going swimmingly with this sister trio until Darnell Cupid, the villain in this piece, took a hand. Little Eva fell in love and married a red-headed chap who came from the Kentucky Hills to join his old friends, the Cumberland Ridge Runners. That was Clyde Julian Foley, better known as Red or Burhead. Now Eva's too busy keeping house and taking care of little Shirley Foley to find time very often for singing with her sisters. 
And once more in 1935, they say, Red had been at WLS for a little more than a year when he suffered a malady often found among boys and girls. He fell in love. The girl who took Red's eye was little Eva Overstake of the Three Little Maids, Sister Harmony Trio. Red and Eva were married in the early summer of 1933. Now they're devoting a great share of time and attention to one Shirley Foley, who came along to make their family a threesome a little over eight months ago. All right, no mention of Pauline, let alone the fact that little Betty is a fourth member of this trio and stepdaughter to teenaged Eva. I'm not being cynical here. I believe in love. I'm just trying to imagine the layers of Eva and Red's marriage and family, and having a hard time believing it was a storybook romance. We've mentioned already that Red Foley at this time was partnered with Lulu Bell in a duo, Lulu Bell and Burhead, where Lulu Bell played the country rube girlfriend from Appalachia who followed Burhead to the big city. How old are you, my pretty little miss? How old are you, my honey? Well, if I don't die of a lonesome heart, I'm 17 come Sunday. beloved match to WLS audiences, but Eva reportedly did not approve of the pairing, and she and Red collaborated in breaking up the act. Lulu Bell then teamed with Scotty Wiseman, who people thought had stolen her away from Burhead, and Red moved on to other acts. The marriage also was partly to blame for the dissolution of the three little maids, though there were probably also differences and aspirations that led to the breakup. Lucille seemed to have more expansive ambitions than her sisters, and Evelyn seemed to value security over artistry. Eva put her efforts into child-rearing, giving birth to three children between 1934 and 1940, though as she was able, she did keep a toe in the music business. One such toe-dipping endeavor was teaming with Jean Harris, who was the wife of Carl Davis of the Carl and Hardy duo. Eva and Jean formed the Play Party Girls and performed on a variety of WLS programs. Here's kind of a funny side note that maybe gives a little color to the barn dance and its listenership. In a 1935 issue of Standby, the magazine incorrectly states that Evelyn, not Eva, is in the Play Party Girls. And for the next several weeks, fans write in the magazine asking variations of the question, wait, who's in the Play Party Girls? Standby never admits they made a mistake, but they do have to keep making the correction until either people stopped writing or they just stopped printing the clarification letters. Kind of funny to me. Eva also paired with Lucille for a spell for some Midwestern dates, performing at farm meetings as a duo. Eva and Red also performed together as frequently as they could at this time, both on the air and as part of a touring act. I assume that touring together gave them some ability to spend time as a family. Flowers are in bloom and bridles are clean. We'll see 
1937, for some reason, Standby printed a list of body data for barn dance stars. It's a weird thing to do, and I won't read everything they say about Eva, but since this is an audio medium, maybe a little description is in order. Eva has light brown hair, which she wears in a long bob, fair complexion, and hazel eyes. A listener, V.S., from Wallace, Indiana, also gives us a maybe kind of helpful description. V.S. says, Well, I just saw Red Foley and the gang at Wallace Gym, and they can never know how much we enjoyed them. They are swell. Just one thing I don't understand. Why doesn't Eva Foley sing over the air? She is much like a big wax doll. I don't get the connection of being much like a big wax doll and singing over the radio, but I'm not going to think too hard about it. We'll get into this part in more detail in the Lily Mae Ledford episode later this season, but in 1937, John Lair split from the National Barn Dance to start his own barn dance radio program in Cincinnati, with aspirations to move the whole operation to his birthplace, Renfro Valley, Kentucky. One big reason for Lair's decision to split is a reaction against the trend toward Western music and in favor of a more Appalachian-based old-time music. Red Foley invested in Lair's venture and was one of the acts, along with Ledford and the Coon Creek Girls and the Girls of the Golden West, to follow him to Cincinnati. When the time came to move the operation to Renfro Valley, Kentucky in 1939, Eva and Red and family gave it a shot, but according to Lair, quote, Eva hit here loud and long, proclaiming that she'd never have any part of this damn country, unquote. So the Foley's didn't last long in Kentucky. Red sold his shares, and in 1940, they moved back to Chicago and WLS, having been gone for 31 months. Red was returning to WLS as an even bigger star, becoming the first country artist to host a national radio show, NBC's Avalon Time, which was co-hosted by Red Skelton. What more could you possibly demand in a cigarette? Superfine tobaccos, a superior blend, at a real saving. It's no wonder millions upon millions of people are switching to Avalons. The next time, why don't you ask for Avalons and save the difference. Here he is, folks, the singing star of Avalon Time, Red Foley. Well, howdy, Dell. Howdy, folks. And uh, to be different, hello, Red Skelton. Well, hello there, Red Foley. How are you? <laughs> Say, how about starting a how to get into your song department, huh? Boy, that suits me, son. Matter of fact, I'm kind of worried about how I'm going to get into this song tonight. In 1941, Foley broke into the movies, joining Tex Ritter in The Pioneers. He also became an acclaimed songwriter with enduring hits like Old Shep. Just a boy and his dog, we were both full of fun. We grew up together that way. Here's Towns Van Zant's version. <laughs> the years fasted rolled, old Shep, he grew old. His eyes, they were fast growing dim. And one day the doctor looked at me and said, 
I can't do no more for him, Jim. With hands that were trembling, I picked up my gun. I aimed at a ship's faithful head. <laughs> This is, the, this is always the toughest part, right? <laughs> but hands that were trembling. And Red also spent a lot of time touring the country. Eva maintained a regular performing schedule on the National Barn Dance until 1947, which is about the time that Red was invited to replace Roy Acuff as the MC for the Prince Albert show on the Grand Old Opry. Of this time, Red says, quote, I guess I was never more scared than when I replaced Roy Acuff on the network part of the Opry. The audience thought I was a Chicago slicker come to pass himself off as a country boy to bump Roy out of his job. It took me about a year to get adjusted. The Foley's moved to Nashville, much more suitable to Eva's taste than rural Kentucky, and began to make a life there. Foley eventually overcame the initial audience resistance and is credited in helping secure the national preeminence of the Grand Old Opry in American radio. As the Foley girls reach school age, Eva, still only in her late 20s, makes a serious attempt to re-enter the music business, changing her name to Judy Martin. I'm a straight shooting cow gal from Texas I'm a lassie from the wild and woolly way. I can yodel, I can sing, I can do most anything. When it comes to riding broncos on the bay, I can shoot from my hip with my six gun. And a bullet I have never wasted yet. I'm a lassie from the lonesome. I'm a straight cow gal from the And recording several numbers on Decca with Red, including our Christmas waltz. Let's dance our Christmas waltz. Stand by arms till the music falls. Let's put our hearts beneath the Christmas tree. A present from you and a gift from me. Then in the candle glow, I'll glide you under the mistletoe. I'll kiss you and tell you I love you so while dancing. Our Christmas Waltz. Also, they recorded the Scotty Wiseman song made famous by Lulu, Bell, and Scotty. Have I told you lately that I love you? Heart would break in two if you refuse me. I'm no good without you anyhow. a bit of let's go to church our love will grow on sunday 
morning if we have the Lord as our guide. Through the week we love and laugh and labor, but on Sunday we won't forget to love thy neighbor. Let's make a date for Sunday morning. Another Scotty Wiseman song, Remember Me. Remember me when the candlelights are gleaming. Remember me at the close of a long, long day. It would be so sweet when all alone I'm just to know you still remember me. These recordings are respected, but none of them produced hits. At least not in such a way that would revive Eva's career. It's hard to say whether Red Foley's heavy involvement on these numbers was a bolstering or an overshadowing of Eva's talent. It's around this time that the rumors started to fly. Red was suspected of having an affair with Sally Sweet, a bit-part B-movie actress and singer known for her roles in 1932's The Eyes Have It, 1934's Nifty Nurses, and 1935's The Old Homestead, which also featured Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers. Sweet was also married to a Nashville music publisher named Frank B. Kelton and a parent, mother of a son and two daughters. Eva takes the overdose of sleeping pills that ends her life on November 17, 1951, on a night when Red was probably at the Grand Old Opry. She was 33 years old. She left a note, but the contents of which have not been made public. Although her sister Evelyn and WLS would publicly state the cause of death as a heart condition. Five months after Eva's death, Sally Sweet's husband Frank Kelton sues Foley for alienation of affection, meaning that Red Foley caused his wife to lose affection for him. The suit was settled out of court for $12,500. The Keltons divorced two months later, and three months later, Red marries Sally in a private ceremony in Iuka, Mississippi, a place with no apparent connection to either of them. Eva's sisters, Lucille and Evelyn, continue to write and perform, but not for long, both retiring from music in the mid-50s. I have to mention the death of Hank Williams here, not to let his death overshadow Eva's, but because it's connected to both Eva and Red. Hank Williams dies on January 1, 1953. He and Red had become friends, and each vowed to perform the song Peace in the Valley at the other's funeral when one of them dies. Red did sing that song at Hank's funeral, and apparently with great emotion. There's no reporting of Eva's funeral, so we don't know if Red was in appearance or not, but reportedly the one-two punch of Eva and Hank's death contributed to Red stepping down from his role at the Grand Old Opry to spend more time with his family. 
Eva's sister Lucille, now known as Jenny Lou Carson's, music turns darker as she writes Let Me Go Devil about Hank's death. I'm gonna fight, gonna fight with my mind, devil. Gotta win over sin if I can. I've been a fool, yes, a fool, just your two, devil. A disgrace to the race of I can't help but think of it as a possible channeling of the darkness surrounding Eva's death as well, but that's just my speculation. While the 20-plus years of the Overstake sisters' time in the country music spotlight comes to a sad end in the 1950s, Eva's children continued her musical legacy. Her stepdaughter, Betty Foley, became a singer with some success. It's the magic of your sweet love all the time It makes me feel so fine I've had lots of loves before But never had the magic kind Oh, honey, I sure feel lucky It's so plain to see I got the magic of your sweet love To keep me company To keep me company Eva's daughter Shirley married Pat Boone, and they became a duet. Vaya con Dios, my darling. Vaya con Dios, my love. Shirley and Pat also became parents to Debbie Boone of You Light Up My Life fame. And you. Debbie Boone also became a contemporary Christian music star in the 1980s. May God bless and always keep you, whether near or far away. May you always turn to Jesus with his kind and loving way. As a sister trio, the Three Little Maids are somewhat of a rarity in the history of American music and in country music in general. As individual artists, we can probably say that Lucille casts the longest shadow over country music with her songwriting career, but we should not discount the significance of Evelyn and Eva in adding flavor, influence, and innovation to the nascent genre of country music. Even after they disbanded, we find them, no matter where they are in the world and where in their careers, collaborating and supporting each other as they could until it seems that they, for reasons we'll never know the depths of, had enough of the business and probably most of the people and left it all behind. Thanks for listening. Your support means a lot to me. I really wanted to keep the episode a week pace through this second season, but I got waylaid in the last couple of weeks and I couldn't meet my self-imposed goal. I love doing this podcast and the last thing I want is for it to become a chore, so I'm taking a little mid-season break to catch my breath and make sure what I'm bringing you is of the highest quality that I can reasonably produce. 
I'm thinking the break will probably be two weeks, but I also know how things get busier around the holidays, so I can't make any promises. The second half of season two has some incredible artists. If we're thinking of this season as side A, side B, it may be that there are more hits on side B. Coming up, The Girls of the Golden West, Patsy Montana, which has the potential of being a double episode, Louise Massey, The Dezurek Sisters, and of course, Lily Mae Ledford and the Coon Creek Girls, which will also probably be a double episode at least. I hope you stick with me. Tell your friends and family about the show, warts and all. Reach out if you want to say hi. Follow me on Instagram at wildwoodflowerpod. If you want to donate to help me buy books for future episodes, you can do that through Venmo. Artists, please submit some cover songs if you can. I would love to hear what you come up with. Next up, Girls of the Golden West. See you then. When the storm clouds wend their way toward the horizon And old man sunshine back up in the sky Hand in hand we'll walk together again Walk together again Just 